Hello, Internet. Welcome to episode 52 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Andrew, and with me is Mike. And Mike, 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 how are you doing? How am I doing? Yeah. I, uh, I've got one arm working. I, yeah. One arm not so well, but other than that, I'm, I'm thrilled about life right now and, yeah. and ministry and family and all that. So, Yeah, there's been a lot of good things that are happening. You yeah. know, for the church, and then I know you're working out with your son right now. That's yeah. why you're all a little banged up. But I'm yeah. excited for that. You know, as a trainer, I'm excited that you're 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 doing that. Yeah, we're lifting again, and it's pretty fun. But I messed up my shoulder somehow, and it, yeah, it's better today. Okay. But oh man, there were two days where it was worthless. <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned yesterday in staff meeting that you're you're turning forty this year. Yeah, and I was just thinking like, man. I just realized that 40 is not too far for, from me, too. And I, I was like, I, I, I don't know how I feel about that right now. I used to think about when I was a kid that like 40 just seems so old. But 40 seems really young to me still. So, I don't know. Anyway, I hope that your shoulder gets better pretty soon here, man. But uh, we have a couple updates, right? We, we, last week, we talked about baptism. And I really want to start off with just that energy of like, man, we had a great Sunday evening service. We did. That's I guess when you ask me how I'm doing, that's one of the things that really comes to my mind is yeah. we just had a lot of fun. We baptized four people and it was funny because we had four different people baptize each of those folks. And yeah. One of the comments I heard more than anyone else, any other comment was I've never seen it where a different person baptized each person, mm-hmm. but each of these people were kind of tied relationally to each, yeah. each person. So that was that was really fun. And, you know, you don't have to have a doctorate or a, or a seminary degree or to be a pastor to baptize someone. But right. there is a, a realm of spiritual leadership that was demonstrated in each of those. And it was just, it was fun. We shared communion. We lifted our voices and we worshiped God for all that we could. You know, we it just, was. people were there to worship. And that was a, a great night. It was a powerful, powerful night. You know, I, not that like a paint job and lights are, are the things that make things exciting, but it was exciting because this was the weekend that we kind of unveiled some of the, uh, the new upgrades to our Pacific way campus. And I kind of feel like by that Saturday night or that Sunday night, we kind of dialed in a little bit about like, man, how we want to use some of the new tech and the gear that we have. And just having the people all together, the excitement, seeing the, the people come to be baptized. That was cool. And man, the God is just faithful. You know, he's pretty amazing. He is. Just through this last year and all the challenges as a church, really desiring to, you know, put all of the weight we can into the gospel and, yeah. and share the gospel and try to live the gospel and and give grace and, and repent and forgive and, and point people toward God's word and more people reading God's word and engaging yeah. in God's word. And, and this is just, you know, this is what happens as people, they come to faith and they mature in their faith and they want to walk in faith. And so it was... You're right. The the tech stuff, the upgrade dates, that was cool. That was kind of like the icing on the cake. But, yeah. I mean, it, we could have been we could have been in a river. <laughs> yeah. Doing the same thing and been just as excited. You yeah. know, it was it was really wonderful. It was just good to see people come together and to celebrate this. You know, I I, I loved how excited people got when we listened to the testimonies of these kids who got baptized. Um, I, I know you you I think you're writing a paper or doing something on on baptism. Aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I know, I feel like, so I, so for people who don't know, when we do baptisms here at Valley, we typically, uh, we go through a screening process because mm-hmm. one of the things like, I think we both agree on is that we for sure don't want someone to be baptized as, as, as a young person. And then when they're like 
25, 27, go to another church and be like, man, when I got baptized as a kid, I, that didn't mean anything. I was just going through whatever. Mm-hmm. So we, we go through a process to have conversations and to just help people understand what's going on. And sometimes we tell people to wait or whatever. But man, watching these kids, being with them as they are telling their stories and watching them understand what's going on is such an encouragement. And to see us as a church, like be excited for that, to know that, man, there's people getting it. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's interesting, you know, to see it lived out in people's lives mm-hmm. is, is awesome. And then kind of living in this other world of, of academics a little bit and actually doing a, basically I'm reconstructing my, my theology of baptism. Yeah. And so we use the metaphor of a house and basically over the last month we've torn down everything I believe about baptism. And I've had to start from the ground floor, like every text in the new Testament about baptism. I'm mm-hmm. reading about all the church's practices in the early church and throughout the scripture and even allusions to baptism in the old Testament and all mm-hmm. of these, all of these things like one stone at a time rebuilding this house. And so you, you realize how wonderful of a doctrine baptism is and, mm-hmm. and how many, how many stones go into building this house. And so in the backdrop, I'm thinking through all of this and then we're putting it into practice yeah. in, in real life. And it's pretty fun to see those two worlds connect. And, and it's been encouraging as I've, literally had to wrestle with every passage that speaks of baptism in the scripture. As you do that, I'm seeing that the, the house that I had already constructed, it's, it feels pretty confident. I feel pretty confident about it, right? And so that's what some of our baptism practices come out of is what do we believe in the scripture? And so, yeah, there's always you know places where you're tweaking things or wrestling with things. Mm-hmm. One of the texts that we're actually, I've done the most work on is 1 Peter 3.21, okay. which actually has the statement, baptism now saves you. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. And so that's a, that's mm-hmm. a kind of a hang up in a lot of people's theology is what mm-hmm. does this mean? Baptism saves you because that doesn't mesh with the rest of scripture. And right. so, you know, maybe later I'll let you read it and yeah, we can talk I, I'd love that. To read that. But, um, yet to, to see it come out on the other side to see people's lives be so encouraged as they proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. That's what re- we're really doing. You know, I want to encourage people to, to, I guess, value the academic parts of study because something that goes on in my heart and in my mind is like, I, I've done a lot of baptism services and I'm always excited for baptisms, but I, I will be honest. Like there are times that sometimes I'm like, man, we're baptizing, but like, is this, is this, is this for real? Is this genuine? Is this because there, man, I don't, I don't know how many times I have seen people proclaim Christ's and, and go through these motions. And then like a year or two later, they're, they're back to their old lifestyle and things. So like I, there's a cynic inside of me. But something about, I guess, the, the challenges, I, as you and I have been discussing leading up to this baptism service, the challenges of like, you know, let's have these conversations. Let's couch these conversations in a different light, digging deeper into people's lives. It was challenging for the people that we talked to, but it, it, it unearthed like this genuineness behind it that, that was encouraging to me that there, there was... And I hope other people can relate to this, but there was no cynicism in my heart when I was watching this service happen. And that's that for me, that was so encouraging in that moment. By walking people through the process of examining their faith mm-hmm. to see if they really are in the faith, to be looking at their own lives and saying, what do I actually believe beyond just can I, can I, you know, can I explain the gospel? But is this taking root in my life? Even looking for like this, you know, we talk about fruit of repentance, like a lifestyle where they're turning toward Christ and dependent on Christ and they want Christ by, by slowing down, 
by having those hard conversations, by digging a little deeper, it makes it more valuable for them. Yeah. It makes it more valuable for the whole church who witnesses the baptisms. It, mm-hmm. it makes it just this robust, beautiful celebration of the work of God in yeah. our lives. And that's what it really is. Like, this is something God's doing. It is. It was good. One thing I didn't, I didn't tell you, oh, you knew about this, but maybe I'll, I'll give our listeners a little inside uh, look into our baptism services. Uh, so we set up a, 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 a baptistry, which is a portable one, and we fill it up with water from the, the hose. And when that sucker comes into the, the baptistry, it's cold. It's cold water. So we typically are supposed to hook up heaters to it. Well, one of our heaters is down, and we need to get a replacement for that. And the other heater... I questioned as to whether or not that was going to to work. But uh, so Sunday morning when I called you, I was like, hey, I'm just checking on the temp and just seeing if this one heater worked or not. I had myself and three other guys standing ready with instant pots and electric kettles <laughs> to, to spend the day just grabbing water and boiling it and throwing it in the baptistry. Oh just ready to go. So there was like, you know, it wasn't frigid. And stuff. So, uh, you know, a little behind the scenes. There you go. <laughs> prep for you, for you guys. To... I kind of wish that would have happened. That would have been really entertaining. To... <laughs> that would have been a great story. It would have been. So, you, you know, you ask how I was doing. How are you doing? Dude, I'm, I'm so well right now. <sighs> so, I, this morning you, you came into the office. I kind of shared a little bit about uh, just my night at, in, in youth group. And it, this was going to kind of be the, the topic, I guess, of the day. We kind of just threw out what we were going to talk about. We'll, we'll come back to the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. But last week we talked about relationships. And then last night I just had this beautiful, beautiful moment that was encouraging to me. We have, we have students in our youth group, obviously. And uh, spending time, some of these, some of these kids, they, they, they come work out with me so I get to know them throughout the week. And we, we talk about life. We talk about a lot of things. And I watched as this student came into youth group, got hurt, like emotionally, like I, I, just, just some emotional hurt from, from a friend. And I watched this person see what was going on, receive it, and then fight to not make a scene. I was actually impressed that this person didn't make a scene. Instead, he quietly just stepped back breathe for a second and then just decided to remove himself from from a situation and I thought to myself wow that was impressive and then later that person came to me and said hey can you can you take me home and I said yeah I, I knew exactly why I knew what was going to happen I said yeah sure so after youth group I took this person home and I let this person just talk I let this person just share uh, what was on their heart and on their mind and then we just kind of processed it together and then we prayed for, for them, and then we prayed for the situation, and then, uh, then, then I took them home. So that was, that was fun. That was encouraging. But what, what was encouraging to me was just realizing that I'm, I'm, I get to be part of this cycle, this legacy of love that Christ has, has done. That I, 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 I can't help but think that like when Christ spent time on like one-on-one with like the inner circle with the computer and John, there are these times when they just talked and then that maybe as, as, as Peter um, was mentoring like Mark, that they had these conversations to just talk and that just this legacy just con- continues to move on as we minister to others. Because last night after I dropped off a student, I couldn't help but remember that one day or once upon a time I was a teenager. Once upon a time I would come to youth group, I would get in trouble or I would be hurt 
And because I had the relationship I had with uh, my youth pastor at the time, I did the same thing. I would say like, hey, when we take the other kids home, can, can I be last? Because I wanted an extra hour to just talk. Um, and I remember that person would, would take me to get like giant bean burritos from Muchas, gracias, and we would sit in the church van and I would just spew my heart. And he would just listen and he would help me process. And then he would pray with me, which I, at the time I thought was really weird because I wasn't, you know, I just... Anyway, last night I just thought about like, that was modeled for, that was not something I learned in school. That was, that was something I lived and I experienced. And so as I walked through that last night, I just thought, like, man, God is so good because he has shown up. He used someone to do this in my life relationally, and now he's using me to do that, to pass it on to someone else. So with that, I just want to affirm, like, if you're, if you're listening to this, man, I just keep thinking about, like, you don't know. You don't know what people are learning from you when you're just living your life and loving people. Because like I said, this, the model in which I learned to care for people wasn't something I learned from school. I learned it from, because someone else loved me first. Yeah. yeah. You know, as you share that story and, and you and I have similar backgrounds in terms of having youth ministers that really impacted our lives yeah. and, and kind of went the extra mile. Um, <clears throat> but it makes me think about how most young men, they don't have that outlet. You know, they don't have a place where they can feel safe to, to like say, hey, here's who I really am. Here's what I really got going on. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, generally our, our messaging is you either got to be tough and you got to hold it all in and you can't express any of that. Um, or maybe it swings to the other side of the spectrum where you just kind of lay it all out and, you know, yeah. you're completely external in your processing with, without regard to who's around and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. and it just makes me think about the church. The church really does serve this incredible kind of role in the lives, particularly of, of young men, but of young women, of mm-hmm. young people, as they're trying to develop. If, if there are godly men in the lives of godly men and if there are godly women in the lives of godly women, you know, what we end up doing is we end up following, you know, you talk about the apostles, you talk mm-hmm. about Jesus. It makes me think about First um, Corinthians 11, verse 1. Paul writes, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Mm-hmm. So this is, what, this is discipleship. It is, yeah. And this is the heartbeat of a church, right? Discipleship, and discipleship really is, I'm going to care for those that God puts in my life. I'm going to teach them what I've learned from the scripture, from the word of God. I'm going to pass on what others have taught me from the scripture. And uh, it's a pretty cool thing because I think discipleship happens not just w- with you know, teenage teenager in your life mm-hmm. or with your, your friend that you're talking with. In my experience, some of that discipleship happened for me before I was even a Christian. You know, I think about those, I had a neighbor a few doors down and he was a Christian and this was in the early stages of me trying to figure out faith and whatnot. And if I had a question about life, if I had a heartache, I'd go to his door and mm-hmm. I'd go in, in his living room and he'd just sit there and he'd open up his house and, and just talk, right? Yeah. So I'm probably, you know, the story is I'm probably 11 years old and, um, and the neighbor right across the street from me is probably 20. Mm-hmm. young guy, really cool guy, actually, who I learned to play hacky sack with. Okay. And so I'd go out and he'd be out there playing hacky sack and I'd go out, I learned to play hacky sack with him and just have a great time. And he, you know, I was an uncoordinated kid at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, I imagine the last thing a 20 year old wanted to do was play hacky sack with me. Right. Like, right. And, and this, he was a cool guy. I didn't know him well. He, he committed suicide. Oh, wow. At the school at the end of our road, the school where I went to school. Wait, so back to the 20 year old that you play wow. hacky sack with. Wow. And I remember just the heartache of that. The the cops 
and the, uh, the, the med car pulling up to our neighbor's house and his parents were some of the sweetest people ever. Wow. And, uh, and I remember the moment my parents let me go out of the house because at first they were like, they didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. First place I went, two doors down, my neighbor, his name's James. Two doors down, knocking on James's door. Blah. Right? Safe place. Yeah. Godly man. Helping me process, right? And so I share this. It's similar to your story mm-hmm. in a sense. That encouragement that you, you're giving, Andrew, to say, hey, you don't know the impact you're making by making that space, by yeah. caring for the people in your life, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, giving a ride to a kid might seem like a small thing to do. Yeah. It's not. You know, and I, I call that, I call it mining for moments. I, a lot of people, when they come into ministry and they want to volunteer, they want to come do youth ministry, they want to, you know, serve. And I, those are all great things. But in, in my mind, the, these are moments where you can start to build on it. So when you come and you chaperone an event, you might meet a couple kids, a couple people that you might connect with and make, have some affinity with. At that moment in time, like you actually have this opportunity to keep cultivating that relationship because as they get to know you and you get to know them, they're watching you. And you have these, these beautiful moments where when something happens, they'll come to you. And they'll be like, man, I, I don't know. Like, like right now in, in middle schoolers and high schoolers, it's, it's about relationships right now. Their hormones are just running around crazy. But that's devastating for them right now. Mm-hmm. you know. And you have this opportunity to just be there and to, to speak. But that, that never comes until you go through like the... the like the super, not, not superficial, like the, the basic stuff of just showing up mm-hmm. and being there. So I, for the, for the person who's listening to this, who is mining for those moments already, like, man, just like, I would encourage you. Cause you don't know, you don't know the fact that your, your, your existence in their lives means a lot to others. And then for the people who are looking to get involved, man, I, I would just encourage you to get involved and then, and to not don't check in and check out as in like, don't come in like, well, I'm helping youth ministry and just do the bare minimum. Cause I've seen people come eat the pizza, talk to a kid and then immediately leave. I personally feel like the real ministry happens outside of these programmed events, man. But the programmed events is how we start to cultivate those relationships. Yeah. God, God uses everything, right? Yeah. I mean, God uses everything. And most of us, we go through life and it's, it's oftentimes one big issue and then there's peace, and then there's another crisis, and, and then there's peace, and then there's another crisis, and it's when we as believers get to to walk with people in those moments of crisis, yeah. those moments of drama, those moments of pain. That, that's that's where we really get to serve someone well, right? right. You know, do you? I don't know. Like when I was a teenager, uh, I used to watch a lot of Fox, and I watched uh, I watched The OC. Did you ever hear, hear that show? I remember it. It's like. 90210, yeah, but yeah, yeah, like a drama. I remember as a kid making, watching it and just making fun of it because I thought, like, Miss Family is just going through so much drama. Like, one thing after another, after another, after another. And I thought that was funny, but then as I got older, I'm like, that's actually pretty true for a lot of people. It's uh-huh. like you, you have a catastrophic event, and then there's a period of peace. Then there's another catastrophic event, and that's just life. And so I just think about that for, for these kids and for the families. And for, it's not even just kids. It's for anyone within our church right now. They're going through things. And just taking the time to encourage them, to be with them, is, is such a cool thing. I, that's why I'm, like, I'm big on life groups. Big on community mm-hmm. like that. I'm big on, like, I think the, the, the term safe space is abused and overused in our culture. But, but truly, like, the church to be a place where people can just talk. Yeah. You know? Where you can let your guard down a little bit, be cared mm-hmm. for, 
and uh, you know, this wasn't our intention, but you, you talk about life groups. We're, we're talking about life groups this weekend a little bit yeah. in, our, in our welcome, and and maybe you want to link to. Uh, we've actually got like a little online, like, so, hey, I'm interested in life group. Mm-hmm. And here's what I'm looking for because we know with COVID, it's hard for people to engage right now. Yeah, you might be listening to this, and you might be someone that says, hey, I'm only doing Zoom stuff, and you know, that's part of why we do this podcast for those people that you know that they're not they're not able to get out yet mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason that might be. We want to serve them. And maybe you want to be part of a life group and you're looking for like an online only Zoom thing. That's awesome. Our, our survey yeah. would let you say that. Yeah, you know, and that, that'll definitely be linked in our in our yeah. description here. There's also, you know, some that people that, that want to meet and they want to have spacing and some more people want to meet and they just want to meet, you know. And, and so we just want to meet people where they are <clears throat> and help people with whatever they got going on in their life connect in community, connect with relationships, hopefully with spiritual, spiritually mature people that know the, the Lord and that are growing in the Lord and, and that just cling so tightly to the gospel. Cause you know, I think about this kid you're talking about last night, that's a gospel moment. Yeah. I, I think about that moment when I went to my neighbor's door, when, you know, our other neighbor committed suicide, that was a giant gospel moment in my life. And, um, that's what we're looking for is how to point people to Christ yeah in the, the drama and the trauma of their life, as well as in those mountaintop experiences, like in those good moments, like Christ is still king in those moments. Mike, you know, we're, we're talking about this and this, this come this life groups. And we talked about relationships last week, you know, you and I being, being in our thirties now and in, in, in senior leadership and having these roles for the longest time, I'm sure you have uh, some strategies into how you intentionally cultivate meaningful relationships. Can you, can you share maybe a couple of insights that you have on like, maybe, maybe there's a, a life group leader listening to this. And he's like, man, I, I really want to cultivate uh, better relationships with my people. How, how can I go about doing that? Yeah. <clears throat> well, if, if you're a leader or even, even if you're not right mm-hmm. and you want to build relationships with people, I think you start by praying for people. I mean, I, I pray for those in my life group. I pray for those that I'm in random conversations with. Like there are people around town that the Lord just brings across my path regularly. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you're doing something here. And so I pray for those people regularly. I'm going to pile in on that because I feel like when you genuinely pray for people and you let them know, I think people can tell when you are sincerely praying for them and it means something to them. They go, oh, and then they, 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 they remember that. And they maybe will come to you later for a deeper conversation versus when people are just like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then it's like a, Side comment. Yeah. So that, that yeah, I, I agree with that. Like that's, I, I'm with you on that 100%. And, and I manage my prayer life. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not smart enough to remember all the people I'm praying for. Mm-hmm. And so I actually, I write it down. I use a digital list and it goes, it cycles through people regularly. And mm-hmm. there are some people I pray for on Sundays or some people I pray for on Mondays, things like that. Just because again, I'm not smart enough and I get distracted and mm-hmm. all that. And so I take time. Usually my my iPad actually goes off at 7 a.m. every day and says it's time to pray. And I've usually finished my Bible reading for the day. And so I stop and I pray for those that are on, on my list for that day. And um, and so that's that's part of it, right? And even that, like, I mean, in my prayer list, I pray for my wife every day. I pray for our, our team mm-hmm. every day. I pray for my kids every day, right? And so there's some that, that just they're closest in terms of relationship and responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so I pray for them the most. And so if you're a leader, pray for those that are in your group. If you're lonely, pray for those that God seems to be bringing to your mind or yeah. bringing into your life that gives you a little bit of a relationship with. And so that's, that's where I'd start. From there, you know, if, if you can, 
try to figure out a way to interact, mm-hmm. ha- have them over for a meal yeah. or, you know, you know that they're going to go and, you know, work on their car. Hey, can I come give you a hand with that? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know, they've got a, a project in their house. Let, let me come over there and swing a hammer with you for a little while. Like there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's right. actually for guys. Generally, that's how relationships work much better. I think that's part of why you have a great relationship with some of those young guys mm-hmm. because you guys work out together. Yep. Shoulder to shoulder for guys is much better than face to face. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so look for ways to overlap life. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's such a powerful thing. You know, when you, when you think about this, Paul, there was a mantra that, that Paul says, I can't remember the scripture, but like he becomes all things to all men so that he may win a few. And that's been like my, that's what I think about when I think about missions. Like I think about like people who, who meet me now think I've always been about like health and fitness and all this stuff like that. That's not, that's not true at all. My personality is like, I'm a, I'm a learner. That's what I, I just like learning things. But I remember when I first showed up at that gym that I was at, I was brand new to things, but I just learned it. And I got to rub shoulders with police officers, with firefighters, with nurses, teachers, all these people. And as I, as I was, as I was there, I just started to ask questions and I would pray for them. I would genuinely pray for them and let ask them about their life and ask them what, what, are, what I could be praying for. And I, and because I prayed for them, I would ask them follow-up questions. And when people realize that you're paying attention, they say, oh, and then they start to open up a little bit more. And relationships are reciprocal. If they give me a little bit of their life, I give them a little bit of my life. And we, we go back and forth and it builds a connection. One of the things I, I like that you said, though, is also like finding ways to overlap life. I, uh, I, uh, since you've been here, Mike, I, I think I have presented myself more of a nerd than I was traditionally. Like, you know that I play some tabletop RPGs with like, the Star Wars systems and those up with, with these other guys. I originally didn't do that until like just before you showed up here. But I only came because I wanted to just meet some of these other guys within the church and just spend time with them. Mm-hmm. But that has cultivated an opportunity for me to connect with some of these other people just a little bit more and ask. And it just goes into praying, legitimately praying. Like, I will... Outside of the group, I'll message a couple of these guys every now and then. Like, hey, man, just thinking of you today. What's going on in your life? I want to be praying for you. And that that right there just begins that that comfort. And this isn't these aren't students; these are adults. Yep, adults that are like, oh, oh okay, I kind of like this, and they want they want that attention, they want that friendship, you know. And that's cool. I also think that it's it's healthy for people to know that like you you, you don't have to connect with everyone. Mm-hmm. There are some people that you just naturally have an affinity with, and it's okay to start there. Yeah. Some people I have to try harder. I do to, to connect with. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? We're part of a large church and I see that you're connecting with people that I naturally wouldn't connect with. And I'm like, but we're all, we're all in this together. So I don't feel bad about that as long as we're all, we're all doing that. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, I, I know this wasn't like the, the scheduled conversation. I know we wanted to just kind of talk about relationships and stuff. Do, do you have any encouragements, I guess, for people who maybe crave a deeper relationship with others or maybe a mentoring relationship? Because that's essentially what, what's happened, right? I was a mentee. And in many ways, now I have the opportunity to be a mentor. I, I think your question is good because it, uh, it reveals that we live in a world where it's just it's, it's harder now to naturally build friendships, I think. I think we live in a pretty isolated world, even without COVID. We, we can spend a lot of time doing our own thing, especially for, maybe even more for guys. Um, there's not a lot of space for guys to connect with each other, you mm-hmm. know? And so if you're saying, man, I want to connect with other guys, and, and specifically if, 
you're looking to grow and you want to connect with someone maybe a little bit further down the road, I would say, you know, you got to be bold sooner or later. Yeah. And so, you know, even just like, Hey, can, uh, can we do lunch sometime? And then, you know, if you see, if you know, a guy seems to be succeeding in life, Mm -hmm. seems to be growing in his faith, leading his family. Well, you just go have lunch. And and in that lunch, ask him a few questions. You know, what does it look like for you to grow in your faith? Mm -hmm. How are you, how are you, you know, leading your family? What does that mean for you? Some questions like that in that moment, you're not asking him to, Hey, I want you to meet with me every week and mentor me and, and mm-hmm. do it for me. You're just picking his brain. Yeah. And I, I think most of my mentors was me picking their brain yeah. rather than us sitting down and signing a covenant. And, mm-hmm. and you know, generally it's, you, you got to be self-starter. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be the one pursuing the guy that is doing what you want to be doing and that's growing in the ways you want to be growing. Cause yeah. Most of them aren't going to slow down and, and say, hey, who else can I pull along with me? Some do, yeah. but most don't. They just keep trucking. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you'll find most of them are pretty willing to sit with you and have a conversation and encourage you. And through that, maybe they'll start to pursue you a little bit too and, yeah. and pour into your life. And, you know, I like to say, get into your business. Like, you yeah. know, ask you some questions about what you're doing and that might push you to grow. That is, you know, it's, it's, you outline that process and I think back in my life and that's exactly what I did. Somewhere along the line, I read this book where like you should just, if you want people to invest in you, you look around for people who have what you, what you want and you ask them, what did they, what are they doing to get that? Right. And you have different mentors for different things. Like you, you wouldn't talk to me about mechanical stuff. I, I, I would no idea. I have no idea what to tell you on that stuff. But if you want to talk about scripture, you want to talk about like training or anything like that, you could do that, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting what you just said. Most people who are experts at what they're doing, they, they're not looking, they're not thinking about bringing on other people. They're just living their life. And so when you humbly ask them, like, hey, can I have a few moments, like a cup of coffee, and I'll buy you a cup of coffee, and I just want to ask you a few questions, I think that's affirming for them. I think most people live in a way that they don't think they're good at whatever it is they're doing. They're just doing what they can. It's affirming for them, but it also sets you up. It says, like, oh, here's someone who's interested in me. And if they are a mentor in their heart, maybe... That might be a signal for them, like, oh, this might be someone I can invest into. You know? Flip side of that is if you are doing decent, if you if you're living a spiritual life where you're you're growing, where you you've regularly you're in the Word of God, where you you know theology decently, you are pursuing the things of God. One of the greatest tragedies in the church is those people sometimes they don't stop and look around and say, hey, who's a little bit behind me mm-hmm. that I can help give a hand and pull them up a little bit? So if you're listening to this, and even if you just consider yourself a, a moderately mature believer, I would say look around at those who you can invest in. Because when you start investing in someone, that'll actually, that will supercharge your growth. Yeah. Because that's that's what God calls us to do. Is, so yeah. you're walking in obedience, making disciples. And, uh, and you will help someone else. And you know what? The church, what we need so desperately, what we need so desperately is this discipleship mindset where people are passing the baton one generation to the next, right? We, we need that desperately. You know, in these conversations that I have with this individual, one time we were sitting in my car and we were talking about something and this person said to me, do you have these conversations with everyone? And I'm like, no, I, I, I don't. And he, and they said, but I think a lot of the kids would benefit from this if everyone had someone to bounce off of ideas. I'm like, well, yeah, they sure would, wouldn't they? And, you know, we can't get to them all, but if every, if other people feel this call to step into youth ministry and step into this kind of stuff, these kids desperately need that. We have kids coming 
in off the street right now who come <clears> from <throat> broken homes who don't know any different than what their world currently is. Like they in their heart might know that like, man, the world that I exist in is something I don't like, but because they don't know anything different, they're going to continue this cycle. And so if you are listening to this and you feel drawn to youth ministry, it's okay to step in. It's okay to, to be used by God to mentor another person, a student, and to love them and to walk with them. And that, that really is under the umbrella of, of partnering with parents, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if a kid's coming and they're, they're from a family that doesn't know the Lord, that's one thing. But if you're listening and you're a parent, you, you're the best youth, youth leader in your kid's yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, we supplement what, what parents do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know your heart's never to take the role of a parent. And, and actually, I know most parents that you interact with their kids if, if you have a relationship with their kids, I, I, I watch you intentionally building that relationship with parents. So it's not just, hey, I'm over here being this cool youth guy. Mm-hmm. And no, you're, you're actually in step with the parents. And that's pretty cool to see. And so for parents, you know, one of the things, especially with teenagers, and, and I'm, I'm kind of a new grand. I mean, we had a teenager live with us for a number of years. Mm-hmm. He's a 20-something-year-old now, and he's doing well. But uh, I'm trying to take these moments where instead of just telling Jay what to do, I'm, I'm stopping and saying, hey, man. What you thinking about lately, or, or how do you feel about life? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not really a great question. You know, in my mind, how do you feel about life? Mm-hmm. But as a teenager, with all of the changes that are happening, that is the question. Yeah. What? Do, how do you feel about life right now? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there's mo- most of the moments he's like, "Yeah, it's fine." And every once in a while, he says, "Well, you know, here's what's going on." Okay. Yeah. I'll ask him that question a hundred times. And if I get the one time out of a hundred where he's like, well, here, here's what's really going on. It's worth it. That's awesome. Right. And so again, if you're a parent, man, this is a great opportunity for you and your kids and, it is. and it's uncomfortable. You got to get outside of your comfort zone. And, uh, and yet God's cool. He's faithful yeah. in that, you know? Yeah. Well, Mike, uh, I've taken up the majority of the time with, with that conversation. I know we were, uh, we were going to talk about this for, for the episode and stuff, but I think it might be a healthy place to kind of put a button on this conversation. Uh, would, you, would you please close us in prayer and just pray for these relationships? And just maybe, this, just praying that people would answer the call, I guess, to uh, continue this legacy of love that Christ has set out before us. Yep. Yep. Heavenly Father, we, um, we want to imitate Christ. And Lord, as we imitate Christ, as we become more like Christ, God, we want desperately to be someone that other people can can follow. God, we, we don't want people to follow us so that they're like us. We want them in time to look past us to, to the crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, that, that he would be their Savior, and that he would be the one that they imitate and they follow. So Father, I pray for all of the different relationships that we've talked about today. We've talked about so many. We've talked about um, parents and teens. We've talked about being uh, adults looking for mentors or being adults looking to mentor someone else. We've talked about teens and, and just the, the faithful adults in their lives. And God, I pray that you would, in, in your kindness, you would bless each of these relationships. You would use these countless connections that we have. And sometimes we, we don't even realize we have them, but you would use them to remind us of your great love for us you would remind us uh, that you really do care. You care about the concerns and the pain and the frustrations. You, you care about the moments of trauma and drama in our lives. You're with us in those moments. And sometimes the way you show us your presence is through the presence of, of faithful and caring people. 
And so, Lord, I pray specifically for Valley. I pray that Valley would be full of people that care, genuinely love, who who look for ways to be there and to guide and to support one another. And Lord, in time, I pray that you would use that as a magnet to to the outside world, to those, to, to draw those who have yet to trust Christ to come and know you. I pray for the teenagers that are coming to youth ministry who who have yet to trust you. I pray that that you would reveal your, your grace and your truth to them and that they would turn to you and and know the joy and the hope and the peace of, of being in Christ. God, we pray in all of this that you are glorified. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.